Welcome back to the Lanials Podcast. We're here again. I'm Smith. I'm Dexter Jetster. <laughs> um, and we're doing another episode of our podcast we do. Me and Dexter here. Uh, to get together and talk about politics and also uh, 50s greasy spoons on sci-fi planets and different galaxies. Yes. <laughs> and uh, in terms of the content of our podcast, so Seth, I'm, or, or Dexter, I'm sorry, I called you by my old, my old uh, co-host name. We fired him for yes. uh, incompetence. Yeah, I heard that he went he went on to bigger and better things. He's gonna be on. I, th- I heard he's gonna be on Pod Save America next week. No, I actually heard that he uh, is eating trash out of a garbage can right now because he was so bad. Well, hey, uh, what's the difference? <laughs> Very true. If you ever had to meet fake John Favreau, fake John Lovett, you would it would be like having to eat garbage pretty much. Yes. Just their faces in general are uh, are, are like a day old trash that a possum is is uh, currently pissing in. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh we're back. It's been uh I think kind of a a tumultuous week, but also a slow week at the same time, right? Like yeah, all the big events are shit that's happening like on the periphery of our of people's awareness, and like the the circus that is uh, the current American administration has been relatively silent. Um, but I wanted to talk about, uh, something that no one's really talking about too much, and it's the fact that the Arctic Circle is on fire. Seth, your thoughts. Seth. Dexter, your thoughts on the Arctic Circle here on our little planet, on this Earth, being literally on fire. I'll say this. I don't think it sounds good. (laughs) Um... Also, apparently, report. I, I have uh, I have uh, uh, people I know, friends in uh, in the UK, who say that it is reaching degrees of thirty degrees Celsius there. Whoa, that's like, whoo, something in Fahrenheit. I think it's at like eighty degrees in Fahrenheit, which doesn't sound bad to us because we come from the hottest place on the face of the earth. It isn't. Yeah, we come from volcano. the hardened and hot southeast of the United States, where you know, it'll be 90, 100, and we'll be out like it's a regular day. Because yeah. it is. Also, 100% humidity. 100% humidity. The air in Georgia is soup. That is a fact. I was watching the trailer for Aquaman, and I was like sitting there and like, oh, they're underwater? That's just normal for us, though. That's just how it is around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We swim around just to get anywhere. And, uh,. And also, don't forget the fucking uh, immense amount of mosquitoes and gnats there are. Oh, yeah. We have all the good stuff. <laughs> I remember, like, uh, uh, reading, like, in a, in a history class at one point about the, like, uh, advertisements they put out to come colonize Georgia. Like, hey, come to Georgia. Hey, the temperature is great, and everything is, is nice. The, the crops here grow very well, and there's not any, any bunch of, like, bugs. And I was like, you fucking liars. Yeah, that's a lie. I'll say this though, from I think the whole idea that the grass is greener is just is true with a lot of people, because at my current like my current one of my current coworkers, he he lived in Chicago for a long time, then he went to college in Boston. He worked in Boston for like ten years. Now he moved down here to the southeast, and he's like best decision ever. I, the, the grass is so much greener over here. I, I love it. So, and a lot of people who are down here, not a lot of people, but some people who are down here also want to go to the north sometime and. and be maybe where it's a little colder and a little uh, more densely populated, and so I guess maybe people just just uh, want for what's on the other side. 
Dude, I would kill it a little somewhere colder than this right here, like fucking Colorado or Montana or something. Just be somewhere cold. Okay, I think we should get rid of some states. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Montana, I have literally never heard of a person being from Montana. So it must not be real in the first place. Get rid of Montana. <laughs> New Hampshire? I thought the other day I was walking down the road, and I was like, New Hampshire's a state. Is it? There are people who are from New Hampshire. Although there are, I've never heard of anyone. Get rid of New Hampshire. Uh, Rhode Island, you're next on the chopping block. No one fucking is from Rhode Island. Delaware, you too. Like, like who is from these places? I would say, name one town in New Hampshire. I could. There's, I mean, there's probably a town named Washington because there's one everywhere. But that's just because that's just an educated guess. I just like, but what, what's the what's the capital of New Hampshire? Is it New Hampshire? Is it also the, it's like one of those New York New York things? I have no idea. It it could be. That's true. I don't know a fucking thing about New Hampshire. If one of our listeners is from New Hampshire, uh, message us and we'll finally know what it's like to talk to one of those uh, bots on Twitter. <laughs> I do know a guy from Rhode Island, though. I will say that. I know a person from Rhode Island as well, but I mean they left. So <laughs> can't be that great. Yeah, get rid of that. I don't know. Montana. I can't believe you even said that word. I haven't thought of the state Montana since I was in high school or elementary school. And we had to learn all the states. Here's one for you. Nebraska. There's some stuff in Nebraska. There's there's a really good movie called Nebraska, so I, uh, I kind of associate that with that. Idaho. They got potatoes, right? West Dakota. That's not a state. <laughs> it should be. We should we should divide North Dakota up and make them East and West Dakota. I was just about to say that North and South is so overdone. Do East and West Dakota. Listen, if a state, if like North Carolina, South Carolina, fuck that. No, you're one. You're Carolina. One of you be Carolina. I'm gonna change your name or merge into one state. Fuck that. Yeah, I don't. I I want to like read a history book on why that. Like, why is that? Why is it such a big deal that they both have to be Carolina? And they can't just be their own names. One of them can be Carolina, one can be the other. But now oh, saying man. it, if they decided to do that out of nowhere, we'd all be so confused. Because imagine saying, hey, Carolina. You're so used to say North or South before that. That's it, true. It's or just a weird word. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, I don't know where states come from. Like, people just showed up and sat there and were like, well, we're a state now. This is, what, this is how it is. Yeah, why are our borders so weird? Why isn't every state like a square? Like... Why are well, borders so weird looking? As you get further out west, that starts to become true. Yeah, like Utah is like a square. Because we added the and Oklahoma is literally just a pot, you know? It's like we That's added true. those states later on, so we were like, oh, fuck rivers and mountains or whatever. We're just drawing a straight line and, and deal with it. Yeah, that's good. That's how it should be. Oh, I agree. It's like I always see people who are like, like you look at something like a big problem in America right now is gerrymandering, you know? Um, yeah, like dude, gerrymandering is my least favorite person in the world. <laughs> um, but like, you look at those things and you see some of them that are drawn, and all I think to myself is, why does this district start right here in the middle of the city and then loop out into the countryside and make essentially a goddamn spiral? Why is that legal? How is that allowed? Yeah, I don't. I, I literally feel like if you were to explain to somebody who like wasn't up on politics what gerrymandering was they'd be like that sounds illegal and they're right it should be yeah i thought we should just like draw big squares in each in each fucking state here we go boom here are your districts go vote yeah at the end of the day it's gonna be representative that's like um 
I read I read an interview with one of the guys who's the head of the Pew Research Center in America, who like does like a lot of statistical analysis of uh, sentiments in America. Yeah, and they were like, and it, he and they they always have really really good research, and people are like, they were like, so how do you get um, such a good sample of people in America? Like, how many people do you call? It has to be thousands and thousands. And he's like, no, we call one thousand people. That's it. We call a thousand people, and we have always pretty much had a very representative sample of people in america because once you call that many people you're doing the right as long as as long as you aren't doing a bad random sample where you're getting people from all the same place you're going to get a good sample just from any random number of people so interesting draw these squares you it's gonna it's all gonna make sense in the end yeah Put on big old blocks. Here's your voting. Here's what you do. And don't let people fucking draw these weird, crazy-ass lines between neighborhoods. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, like that whole thing, right? You're obviously being discriminatory if you're, like, trying to single out neighborhoods or put them together or divide them up. Yeah, I mean, you're just openly being anti-democracy uh, at that point. And I, I, don't, I don't get why we allow that to happen. And I really wish we would, we would do something about that. And... I mean, a big thing, a struggle happening right now, I think, um, on the left is, uh, and it has been happening for a long time, but it's coming back around in, 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 into uh, vogue, is, is electoralism useless? Thoughts? Is electoralism useless? Yes. So you think we can't solve our problems through voting? I don't think we can solve all of our problems through voting. Like, I mean, right now, our current issue with late capitalism devouring us, can that be solved, like, democratically? Can we can we elect socialists that can fix this problem? Um, could we elect socialists to fix the problem? Yes. Do I think that we have enough time within our political system to, eno- to elect enough socialists that they'll be able to stop it before it eats itself? No. So my question then is, what do we do to fix this problem? Violent revolution in the streets. And you know the thing is, is I keep hearing that people say that, and it's crazy to me that people are even saying it. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying it, I think I've said it since the first episode of this podcast. Like, for a long time, that was stuff that was said by right-wingers. Or, I mean, I've never heard a leftist person in my lifetime, I personally heard them seriously propose the idea of violent revolution because, obviously, the idea was we would, they, they would never had the numbers, right? It would be the right-wingers who'd win that one. Yeah. But, like, now, it feels like we're reaching a point in our system where we're starting to see there is no democratic solution and we're not going to fix things by going to, the, the, going to the fucking polls. Not that you shouldn't still go vote. You should still exercise that right, if only because... It's one way to demonstrate, or, or voting will be the basis of power for any just government in the future, so you should still participate in it. But it feels like it's like it's not going to solve our, our problems. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, the only, the violent revolution is, in my opinion, the solution that's going to at least uh, start the wheels of, process, of progress. But it's going to have to come at a point where a lot of stuff we talk about comes true where it's not going to be the left and the right that are in the streets. It's going to have to be the 99% and the 1%. Because at this point, if it's the left and the right, 
we'll all just we'll have a violent revolution people will fucking die shit will get burned down and then in the end capitalism still gonna reign over both of us because we're fighting over the wrong things it's gonna come at a time where it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right you're a poor person you're a person who's being disadvantaged by the capitalist and capitalism in america and which is almost all people in america and all those people, no matter what their political leanings, no matter what they believe, are going to have to come together and fuck up these capitalists. And that is going to be when actual progress gets made. Because as long as we still keep fighting about left and right and all this stuff, nothing is going to get done because capitalism thrives on that. But, okay, I just want to point out that what you're saying, this whole, you're saying the right and the left fighting is, is, uh, is, is hurting us, but... That you then identify capitalism as the, as the enemy. That is an inherently left wing point. The right wingers will never agree with you that capitalism is the problem. They'll say things like crony capitalism or greed or whatever, or they'll say the, the, the you know the Jewish conspiracy or the liberals or whatever. They're never going to agree with you that, that capitalism is the problem. I'm thinking. I said there, there's got to be a uh, a day where they realize that it is the problem. So then it wouldn't be right and left coming together. It will be the right. Realizing that the left was correct. Yes, but in my in my opinion, at that time, about by that time, there won't it won't really be like the right right people being like, oh, we're on the left now. It's gonna be them being like, we don't care what side we're on. We just we want to fuck people up and take back what's what's ours and take back the means of production. Yeah, that's I mean, how what it is. And I think it'll it'll be like it has in the past, where you have these yeah. strange. I think we're starting to see strange coalitions emerge. Uh, if we want to win, right? If, if we're going to have to build a broad base of power, of popular support, and that means, in some cases, letting in people that we have traditionally found to be uh, disagreeable. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I agree. If um, if some like homophobic, anti-abortion person is helping me beat up Jeff Bezos, I'm fine with it. I understand. Right. We disagree with each other, and we're going to fight. After all this is over, and we're in the fight for the or fight on different stuff, but right now let's take back what's ours. Yeah, I was gonna say I I agree that we would have to band together these people, but we have to remember that in doing so, it's a momentary thing. It's just yeah. for that event. So many people, and I think this is a, it's a, it's a real issue. People do believe that leftists will throw the throw you know people of color and women and LGBT people under the bus to get what we want. But I want to. I just want to like. I want to be able to find a way to tell people no. We won't. Like, we we may have to like make some opportunistic moves here where we work with these people. But when it's all over with the capitalists, the fight's still going to have to keep going because those people who believe those kinds of things, they do it because we live in a horrible capitalist hell world, right? And so once we overthrow them, I believe that there will be another struggle after that with those people. Yeah, I think that opinion that we would throw people under the bus um, after we get what we want or to get what we want is really weird because I didn't even become a um, leftist until, you know, like a year and a half ago. But what, like, the things I always believed in were the, you know, equal rights for gay people, minorities, trans. I believed in all that stuff. And then from that... Um, I realized what the deeper issues were and became a leftist. So I'm not going to go back on what got me to be a leftist once whatever, once we get whatever we want. Because what I want is for everyone to be equal and have all this and for us to be on equal economic footing. So that's a really, that's a really weird 
uh, thinking. Maybe it's maybe that's just because personally that's how I got into being leftist. Maybe not everyone got into being leftist the way I did. Although I feel like most people started out as liberals and then became leftists. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, it's like the argument that between economic justice and social justice is they're opposed. It's like no, they're not. You can't have one without the other. Like, yeah. and if you get one without the other, then it then the, then the one you got will be eroded, right? Like we got so, we got social justice, I suppose, with the civil rights movement. And then look what happened when when the poor people's campaign fell apart, and there wasn't any sort of like social or right, economic restitution for these for black people, and and an equal equalization. Look at what's happened. Those rights have just become eroded by by capitalism, wearing them down. Yeah, I mean economic and social safety nets are important, and you if you don't have one, uh, then you'll just fall through and hit the next one, and you won't hit the next one. So. Yeah, we need both to help people uh, stay afloat and just fucking be alive. And that's what, that's one thing I've said it so many times on this podcast. There should be none of these costs and like downsides to literally just being alive. Life doesn't have to be hard, okay? Like I don't understand why that's an opinion. Is that life is hard and life has to be hard? Life is hard, but it doesn't have to be. We've yeah. we've developed. Um, ourselves into thinking it has to be but life can be pretty fucking easy if we just fucking protect each other and help each other out like people always told me uh you know life isn't fair so don't complain about things and it's like yeah life isn't fair but we could make it fair yeah it, that's the thing is people these sayings come out and once again they're all true but they don't have to be true we have contrived a way to where they are true um that isn't actually fact yeah and it's, it's all, and I think I think the things like that notions like life isn't fair or you know uh, don't complain because this is the, this is the way just the way things are are coping mechanisms. People who feel like they can't affect their lives and can't affect the world around them. And you know where that comes from, in my opinion. Where it comes from the dumb American notion of like you know exceptionalism and individualism, right? Like one person can do all this kind of stuff. And it's like. Yeah. And then when, when, when you as a person, as you as an individual, fail to make any actual change, you think like, oh, well, that's dumb, right? That's useless. I, I, one person can only do so much. And all I can think of myself is, yeah, that's right. Only one person can do so much. So we need to band together and we need to, you know, collectively solve these problems. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's what's going to be, uh, that's what's going to fix all this shit eventually. But yeah, back to... What started this conversation is that, yes, I believe we should keep um, electing socialists for now. Um, it's going to be what starts some of this progress. What happens from there is going to be in the hands of the people. But speaking... Yeah, I feel, I was, just one thing. I feel like electoralism and revolutionary energy go hand in hand because mm-hmm. electoralism is what builds a power base for people who will one day... Eventually, when they uh, you got to like you got to like work within the system first to build people up to realize the system is broken and that participation will not fix it. So the more people participate, the more they realize that it's not that it, it doesn't work. And when you channel our energy then into being like, well, if it doesn't work, we gotta try something else. And right now, America has a conduit to channel some of this energy um, in the name of Acacia Cortez. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first, you know, as we've talked about on a couple episodes recently, one of the first big socialists to uh, actually win in uh, New York. And uh, this week, uh, just obviously out of uh, white male pettiness, 
she's come under fire for being a uh, quote-unquote silly girl. I'm not sure if you saw this or not. I did not see this. Um, I can't remember. I think he was a Republican from Florida. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. He was, like, having a stump speech or whatever, and he was talking, and he was, like, he called her this girl or whatever, uh, and he never, like, said her name. He's like, this girl or whatever, she, like, believes all this, like, socialist shit, and is he's just, like, like literally, really, very, very belittling, belittling her. Uh, she came back on Twitter with some super hot fire and just basically said, you know, fuck you, like, you're, you're, you're literally an asshole, and I won. You know, I won my election. Mm-hmm. Uh, people obviously agree with what I'm saying. Um, and, yeah, I, and I just think, I mean, and then she also came under fire for wearing red lipstick and eating a cupcake at some rally or something. Pe- That's weird. People were just like, oh, look at this girl out here doing these desserts with her red lipstick. Like, she, you know, like, she doesn't actually care about what, I'm like, this is such a weird defense. What, what are we, what, the Republicans are trying to fucking elect uh, child molesters, and all of a sudden a girl who wears red lipstick and eats cupcakes and is a socialist is silly and weird and isn't, doesn't actually care about the issues. I don't, I mean, and it's so, it's so clearly because she is a female socialist that she's going under fire. There's no, nothing else. Like, obviously that's what's happening to her. She's, she has been incredibly professional and just empowered in her whole campaign and is a very good candidate. And she's coming under fire for literally nitpicking things because of the fact that she's a woman and a socialist. Yeah, it's it's very it's very obvious that they're scared. They're extremely shook by by her because she's a person who thus far has managed to avoid too much of 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 right wing arguments because she's I mean to to put to put this uh, as politely as I can, she outwardly looks very normy, right? Like a lot of socialists in history have either looked uh, frumpy, kind of like Bernie Sanders, or they've looked. Uh, weird, like punkish, you know, and that's not normally, but it's very hard to attack her on a very superficial basis. So, and then you want you to argue about her policies. It's very hard to argue against. Let's give people stuff. It becomes yeah. very difficult to say, "Oh no, we shouldn't do that." Like people don't want to hear that, so they they're struggling to find an angle of attack to come at her from. And one of them is to highlight the fact that she's a woman because that's cheap heat in America. That's true. And uh, so I wanted to shout out, as well as her, um, a guy from uh, uh, Hawaii who's on his way up, maybe probably to win the, the Democratic primary there. Uh, is, is, I hope I pronounced this correctly. Is Kaniella Ng. Have you heard of this guy? No. He is. Uh, he's a guy who won a state-level uh, seat a while back. I mean, he won his election while still waiting tables, right? Like, he is... He is a, uh, 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 from a service industry, you know, he's a waiter, and now he's a, a, a state uh, congressman, I believe, and now he's going for actual Congress. And so he, uh, or I shouldn't say actual Congress, like federal-level uh, Congress. And mm-hmm. so uh, Kaniela Ng is an avowed uh, uh, democratic socialist. He has been pretty much on that tip from the very beginning. And, I mean, the man is, he's hitting the, he's hitting the streets, he's beating the fucking pavement, and he gave a very good answer to a question recently where someone asked him about working with Republicans. Like, can you work with Republicans to, to come up with legislation? And his answer was basically, fuck no. Like, I could never sit down with the, with the current Republican administration and make any sort of legislation that would be good for working people. Because they don't believe in that. They're, they're not for that. And so he said that he said a very important thing, which is that political capital 
is scarce, and we have to fight for it. And I I love that. It's yeah. Fuck compromising. Fuck trying to, to come up with a, a middle-of-the-road measure. He pointed out that Obamacare allowed 40 Republican amendments, which each one of them weakened the bill, one after the other. And do you know how many Republicans voted for Obamacare stuff? Not many. Zero. Yep. So they did all that work. They did all this concession to them and didn't get a single thing in return. And I can't believe anyone still believes in bipartisanship after that. It's done. It's dead. It never existed. From now, wait, from now on, it is us versus them forever. And I, Kanye Ng, if you don't know him yet, Google him. He's very good. And I mean, I support him. I hope he wins. Yeah. And uh, so we've been talking about politicians that we like and are good people and good. Uh, signs for the future but i want to take it real quick back to our home state of georgia and a politician who has done quite the opposite Mm. um so for anyone who doesn't know there is a new show on showtime called who is america uh from sasha baron cohen who borat bruno all that fame and the premise of the show is it's like a bunch of clips where he like he he's just found ways to interview politicians and just random people uh, you know, do, using his classical disguises or whatever, um, and gets them just to just, just, say ridiculous shit, but in reality they're just speaking their mind, and that's the terrible part. So there's a politician. I don't know what level politician or exactly what he was in Georgia. State you know congressman. State congressman Jason Spencer from Georgia went on to this show. Um, he His segment, he believed he was uh, taking a like self-defense class, basically. Um, against, against, against specifically being, being abducted by terrorists. Yes, against terrorists, which is something that Jason Spencer faces every day. Um, so he's doing this, and it gets, obviously, it gets real weird real quick. So one, first of all, in this segment, um, they're trying to, he was like, how do you identify if someone is a, so if a woman wearing a hijab is a terrorist or not? Obviously, that's a joke, because you shouldn't assume someone's a terrorist just for wearing a hijab. But Jason Spencer was like, oh, I don't even know. So the joke was they like go and take pictures under the under the woman's skirt, and if they have a gun or a bomb on them, you can tell from the picture, and then you can report them. And this this by itself, obviously, just a, a dumb joke to make Jason Spencer look stupid, which he does. And then, but the worst part was he uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was like, oh, um, so I want you to role play like you're a Chinese tourist in America, and you can use that as your excuse to take p- pictures of people under their skirts. And then he immediately starts going like, oh, ting tong, ting tao, like, terrible, terrible, racist, Asian caricature of a person. Red Dragon, Ho Chi Minh City. Ho Chi Minh City, Which is says. not even in fucking China. Which isn't Chinese! Konnichiwa, he also said that. Yeah, and he is just fucking dumb. Such a fucking idiot. And so that happens, and I, I'm watching this, I'm absolutely disgusted. Not only because he said all this stuff, but he jumped into it immediately. He did not yeah. even take a second to think, oh, how does how would a Chinese person talk? So he just immediately says all this racist stuff. Then speaking of saying racist stuff, there was another part of this segment where he was like, he was trying to get, he's like, I want you to be able to attract as much attention to yourself as possible, you know, for this exercise. So the role play is if you need to... Uh, call attention to yourself. And once again, without taking a beat, he starts screaming the N-word at the top yes. of his lungs. And I mean the N-word, hard R and everything. The hardest of R's. <laughs> and everything. And holy shit. Here's the thing. At that point, I have to wonder, because some people were like, P- 
people are like, oh, how does Sasha Baron Cohen even get these politicians to say this stuff? People are like, oh, a lot of them just think they're on some like local access TV show or something and don't care. And I'm like, in this, even in this day and age, you should know that all these clips are going to come up. Even if you're on the dumbest local access, nowhere television ever, this clip is going to get surfaced. So why on earth do you, with a ca- knowing there's a fucking camera in front of you, say all this terrible shit? And unsurprisingly, Jason Spencer resigns two days later. Well, at first he w- he refused to resign. He re- oh yeah, I'm refusing. I'm gonna take Sasha Baron Cohen to court for dragging my character. Yeah, I say I, think, I, I say it myself too, and I have a problem with this. Uh, even when I say it, is like, uh, how did he trick people into saying that? How did he trick him to do that? He didn't trick anybody. He, no. He, I mean, he misrepresented who he was, right? But yeah. you signed the paperwork that released this out, and you said and did those things. No one fucking made you do it. Yeah, and, like, especially after that point, because, like, to to get something onto national television, it does have to go through a process of getting approved. Once you have signed your fucking name on that thing, and you are fine with a clip of you saying the N-word over and over, screaming it, once you've signed off on that, you don't have any fucking recourse anymore. You know what you did. You said what was on your mind. You said what you wanted to say. He didn't trick you. He's not Papa John, or he's not the guy talking to Papa John. He didn't trick you into saying the N-word. You said it among your own volition, and you have to deal with the consequences. You don't get a say after that. At any point, this guy could have been like, that sounds crazy. I'm not going to do that. Or, no, I'm not comfortable yeah. doing that. But he yeah. did it. But exactly. to me... The most illustrative point of that whole fucking point of that whole fucking segment was the one after that, where he pulls his fucking pants down and charges a Sasha Baron Cohen ass first, screaming USA and America. Like, yep. what better way to demonstrate to everyone what we really are than that? Yeah, it was insanely appropriate, and uh, that segment was actually directed by incredible comedian Nathan Fielder. Um, if you if you haven't watched his show Nathan for you, it's a similar kind of idea, but on a much less offensive scale of just getting people to just be themselves and they'll just do dumb stuff to like make their businesses better. It's a great show, so shout out to Nathan for directing that segment and inadvert or not inadvertently, but in the end, getting Jason Spencer that racist shit to resign from his job. So good job to you guys. Um. But yeah, that whole the whole premise of of uh, is it called Who is America? Yeah, Who is America uh, is pretty brutal. When we now gotten into like 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 stuff like we damn we have seen some crazy ass shit. But yeah, thing I mean, is, even after seeing it, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean I don't have Showtime because I'm not a loser. But I've watched the clips that are on YouTube so far, and mm-hmm. goddamn these people. I mean, I don't I don't even know what to say anymore. Like. He he's not he's really not even trying that hard. He just gets them into an interview that they think is weird, and they will say fucking almost anything. He got Dick Cheney to sign a waterboarding kit. Yeah. It's just, I mean, what can you even say to that? You know what 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 greater sort of like demonstration do you need than uh, our uh, just just how how fucked up we are as a people here in America. Oh, and there actually has been one politician who had a very funny segment with him where they didn't say anything stupid or racist. And you know who that was? Who was that? Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah, right. He didn't fall for it. Yes. Look up his interview. Very funny. Takes it all in stride and is still very professional and uh, doesn't say anything racist because, unsurprisingly, Bernie Sanders isn't a racist. So, you know, good, good on him for uh, actually being able to deal with this kind of interview. Uh, from Sasha Baron Cohen. 
good on Bruce Anderson being able to look at that fucking makeup he had on and be like, this can't be serious. Yeah, it's actually, it's obviously fake. Oh my god. Um, but you know, speaking of, of, uh, of Georgia and our politicians, uh, the Republican primary is finally done and the runoff is, is finished and Brian Kemp has come out on top, uh, Folks who don't know, Brian, right? The, the race was between Casey Cagle, who is the current lieutenant governor of Georgia. Oh my God, and, I've met Casey Cagle. I got oh yeah, to tell the story real quick. Go for it. So when I was a junior in high school, I was in this like leadership program, and every like once every month we we like to go out and do some kind of like activity. And one time, one of our activities was to go to the Georgia House of Representatives or Congress, whatever you want to call it, or all that. And we got to meet some politicians and everything. And one of them was Casey Cagle. And when I say that Casey Cagle is actually a robot, I mean it. This man walks like a fucking robot. He talks like... He literally came up to all of... There's like 11 of us in the program. He came up, shook our hands in the same exact way, and said the same exact sentence. I can't remember what it was. To every one of us, in the most mechanical motion I've ever seen. Did not let that stupid smile off of his face. And really just fucking creeped me out so and I, I don't know anything about Casey Cagle I know that though Casey Cagle uh, is an establishment guy he is a very vanilla Republican oh he's vanilla as fuck he is just like middle of the road whatever Brian Kemp is not that uh, Brian Kemp is an absolutely insane uh, right winger. He is a Trumpian Democrat uh, by his own uh, uh, measure. He has been endorsed by, by Donald Trump for governor, and uh, yeah, he beat Casey Cagle. So he's going up to the uh, the big race with uh, with Stacey Abrams, and uh, I mean Brian Kemp is a massive piece of shit. Like um, he's incredibly racist, uh, uh, sexist, xenophobic motherfucker. And not only that, just really, I watched him like give a couple of interviews. He's just dumb as hell. He, but I mean, he absolutely embl- like uh, is emblematic of what Georgia Republicans want. Yes. Like they're done with this whole diet Republican nonsense. Casey Cagle had. They want like they just think Republicans are the party of Trump now. Like stop trying to like like talk about people like John McCain or fucking I don't know. Uh, uh, Paul Ryan or somebody, uh, they're dead. They're 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 not anything anymore. It's Brian Kemp. It's insane. It's like David Duke, motherfuckers, basically are running the show now. And the fact that people won't get out of the way is incre- is is just like just forget about it. it. This is who they are now. Yeah, and I mean, once again, from Georgia, I love it to death. But it is not ever going to be an example of where good politics happen. I don't know, man. I, I still have hope. Really? For who? For Georgia. For one day, for us finally building a fucking coalition against uh, these these white supremacist motherfuckers. Yeah, you know? maybe, maybe one day, but right now, we're not going to be the best example for stuff. I'm going to call it right now. Uh, Stacey Abrams is going to win. I do think she's going to win. I um, think we're going to have a Democratic governor she, again. But she's also not a leftist, so... I mean, she did get the Bernie Sanders endorsement over her opponent. Sure, but that's not a leftist. Right, not leftist. I'm not saying Bernie Sanders is like the king of socialism or something. Yeah. I'm just saying that like he did endorse her, which it says something something positive to me. We're also uh, not not saying that Bernie Sanders is the king of socialism. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, I, I like Stacey Abrams. I think she mostly has good uh, 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 good policies, um, uh, at least at least in terms of what we can do here in Georgia, right? Like, uh, for, for this political moment, yeah, sure. But yeah, I think that the, the, the backlash against Trump is going to bite them in the ass, and I think that she'll win. Yeah, I think she'll win for sure, but yeah. It's By gonna, a squeaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it's going to be a small step. We, we, we're gonna make, we have to make big steps for uh, shit to happen, so... And, uh, but speaking of John McCain, did you happen to see Meghan McCain this last week? I think I've turned on a, uh, an alert, or like a, an extension on Chrome that just blocks her name from any, <laughs> anything that comes up, so I probably haven't. So, um, I don't know, is she, is she a, a host on The View, or is she a frequent guest? I don't know what she does on The I View. I don't know. But she was on there, and they had talked about, uh, uh, Alexandra, uh, uh Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm. And um, she melted the fuck down, like quoting Margaret Thatcher. You ever seen that Thatcher quote? The I did problem? see this. Yes, yeah. dude. How fucking goofy did she look on there? Oh my gosh, she freaked out so much, and yeah, and it just and it's back to what I said earlier is that um, Cortez has taken this all in stride. And she has remained, no matter how many crazy fucking Republicans they've thrown at her, she has remained calm. And that is literally, as you can see from that clip, driving them insane. Yeah. She, Megan could not fucking deal with the fact that Cortez is being so fucking professional and just an all-around good politician and a smart person about this whole thing. And again, uh, here's me for a second showing my fucking leftist ass. Ocasio-Cortez is, at her heart, um, uh, not even a democratic socialist. She's a social democrat. Like, her, Bernie Sanders, the policies that they they forward are the bare minimum, their New Deal, bare minimum type of policies, right? They're they're things that that are good, but are not revolutionary. And look how fucking scared the establishment is of just that. Of just the tiniest step towards a better world. They are shitting their pants on television over it. Yeah. I mean, she's totally- <laughs> visibly frustrated with how hard it is to deal with. Wait until we get some, like, real-ass, out-and-out, like, communist policies being proposed in the public arena and watch them fucking melt down. It's gonna be crazy, dude. Yeah. I did see a great tweet someone said. I can't remember who it was. I wish I could credit it to him. Which was, uh, last time I checked, the McCain family, uh, uh, is, uh sorry, the, uh, communism has a, a 100% win rate against the McCain family. Nice. <laughs> Which is, uh, pretty fucking good. Uh, shout out to that, um, that tweet and whoever did that one. That was a good one. Made me laugh, uh, over this week, but yeah. Um, and then you had, like, Joey Behar on fucking on the view, like, like repeating these ideas of taxing the 1% more and raising corporate tax rates. And it's like, I mean, here's the thing. Of course, that's not everything, but it is pretty wild people are, are repeating that shit, you know? Yeah. Like, like Megan McCain, she's right. Her, her biggest fear is that socialism is, is being normalized in America. And I feel like it kind of is. Oh, it is. It, it for sure is. And it's, it's sneaking up on a lot of people. And other people, it's hitting them like a brick. And uh, I'm not sure if you saw um, some of the things that happened this week with socialists or like uh, socialism in America, but uh, there are some reasons why it's happening. 
And uh, one of them, I think, is, especially among young people, just how fucked we are by yeah. everything. We're, get, we're, we're starting to realize how fucked we are, and we're getting fucking frustrated about it. And it's like, because here's the thing I saw that was pretty interesting. It was, uh, in 1977, the price of a loaf of bread was 32 cents. Mm-hmm. Today in twenty six or sorry sorry not today this is in twenty sixteen a loaf of bread was dollar ninety six cent. The median in, median income in nineteen seventy seven for ages twenty five to thirty four was thirty four thousand dollars. You know what it was in twenty sixteen? Same. Thirty four thousand dollars. That is a small thing, but it illustrates the problem. Yes, it would be, it would be the most ideal thing in the world if inflation didn't exist. And if the uh, rising cost of living didn't exist. But those things do exist. So the median income also needs to come up. Yeah, it's it's fucking insane. And that's why socialism is gaining ground. Because we don't have shit. And we need it. And without it, uh, things are going to start to get real bad real fast for a lot of people. (laughs) Like, here's a great couple of things. How life has changed for Americans age 25, 34. This comes from... Ian Bremer uh, on Twitter, uh, at Ian Bremer. Uh, this is from an Axios uh, article. A couple of interesting numbers I'm going to throw at you here, Seth. Uh, the cost of a public four-year college in 1977 was $8,000. Wow. Now, 20000 Yeah. The median income, again, 34000 Median debt has gone from $10,000 in 1977 to $33,000 today. Yep. The number of people attending four years of college has gone from 24% in 1977 to 37%. So you've gone up, and the cost has also gone up, right? Now we get some crazy stuff. Never married. 20% of people in 1977 had never, had never married, or 25, 34, had never been married in 1977. You know what it is now? What? 53%. Damn. Not that I'm trying to defend the institution of marriage as how yeah. it exists now. I'm, I'm just saying... Go ahead. So I'm fine with people not getting married anymore. But it's like illustrative of one of the big problems, right? Yeah. And, of and then homeowners has gone from 48% to 39%. So also a meteoric crash in homeownership. And people wonder why socialism is becoming popular among young people. Yeah. I mean, we've said it once, we'll say it again. People are fucked. Not just young people either. Young people are the ones who are trying to start it. A lot, most people are absolutely fucked in this country. And a good way to solve that problem is socialism, and people are starting to realize that. Yeah, it's it's becoming more and more apparent that yeah. we're not going to be able to fucking to work our way out of these these problems. And who's who's the most scared of these kinds of things? Guys like oh, Bezos. Oh, yeah, Bezos is for sure scared shitless of, of, of what's going on. You can know all the Krav McGraw you want, but the sickle and hammer is going to kick the fuck out of you, Bezos. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, dude, it's like one day the, we're going to fucking start rolling guillotines down the street like we did before because they don't give us anything. And if we don't have anything, we got nothing to lose. It's true. And there was, there was once a very smart man I knew, a genius, maybe, who said that you can't kill a man who has nothing to lose. You can't kill a man who has nothing to lose. And, yeah, I think that was said by, like, King Henry VII, um, if that's even a person. But, yeah, you can't kill a man who has nothing to lose. And the so- right now, the socialist and the 99%, we have nothing to lose. Literally, we have nothing to lose. So, yeah, we're going to we're gonna take—we are going to seize the means of production. 
take them back for ourselves, and it's going to create the future that we all want to live in. And you know what's funny is people, that whole thing of, like, as you get older, you'll lose your whole, like, attraction to socialism. I feel like that used to be true because back in the day, in the 80s and even the 90s, once you got older and you got out of college or you got out of school and you got a job and started work, you had enough money to make a decent living. So, yeah, you'd be like, okay, I got, I got, I got skin in the game now. I could, I could lose, like, something from this. But now we don't have shit. There's, no, there's nothing to even fucking lose anymore. So, yeah, it's going to get... It's going to get crazy. Yeah, that's something that, oh my God, when I was growing up, you got told that all the time. You People would tell you, oh yeah, you're, you know, you're into all this liberal, democratic stuff now, but, you know, when you get older, you're, you'll be a Republican like me. And uh, I've gone so far in the opposite direction. I am, what I was then was basically a Republican. Now <laughs> I'm fucking on a different goddamn level. Oh, dude, no kid. I remember back in, like, 2003 or some shit when the Iraq War kicked off, I was like, yeah, this is fucked up, but we gotta do it, right? And now I'm like, no! No, it was a terrible idea! Fuck! Yeah, shit! We, we didn't have to do that at all! I, I keep looking around to find my, like, World Policeman badge, and I can't find it anywhere. I think we never had it. Yeah. That's for some reason. I think we just made that one. That old tin sorrow, we just made that one up. Uh... Here's another fun fact I saw. This one comes courtesy of, on Twitter, Austin Allred, who's uh, on there as well, uh, about student about the federal government giving like forgiving student loan debt. Now, Seth, you got a lot of student loan debt, right? Yep, tons. I personally, I'll just say it because I don't give a fuck, I currently have like $9,000 of debt I got to pay off, which is very little for most people, right? Yeah, I've got uh, 28000 So, yeah, you have a lot more than me. Yeah. And and even then, we still have pretty low amounts of debt compared to a lot of people out there. Yeah. Um, we went to a state school. Right, yeah. Well, apparently, right now, the, student, the, the U.S. government, because remember how they bailed out uh, Sally Mae, people like that? Yeah. Um, the student loans now account for 49.8% of our total financial assets, the federal government. Yes. Almost so they, fucking half. So they are effectively half. So they are never going to forgive that debt because it's too much. It's too. It's too important. They're never going to do it. Yeah, joke like, on them. I'm just not going to pay it. <laughs> you know the thing is, I keep seeing this idea and I love it. It's the 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 debt strike, which is we just all stop paying our debts. Yeah, if everyone stops. That's the thing about all. Literally every strike people come up with will 100% work if there's 100% participation. Yeah, and definitely. debt strike is one of them. Debt strike will fucking cripple half it's half of the assets that we have half if everyone stops paying half of all assets that's a that's gonna fucking really hinder the government that and they can't go after all of this right you can't bring in everyone that's the whole principle that's the whole point of a strike yeah if we have everyone participating and you you can't you can't bring us down if it's everybody they don't have the strength to do it yeah, so you I'm can't, kind of getting you the can't throw everyone in jail because then no one's doing any jobs. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we're getting to the point now where the idea of going on debt strike is a good one. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I would love debt strike. In fact, I've been exercising it myself. <laughs> Dude, I'm still down for general strike. General strike? Yeah, everybody go. Everyone stop working. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm obviously down for that. I need a day off. We should just, like, stockpile as many resources as possible and then just not go to work. 
And I feel like a lot of the capitalist project for the past, oh, I don't know, 70 years has been to break up human solidarity as much as possible and keep us from organizing together. And they've been very successful at isolating us from our, from each other. And we got to overcome that. Like, Seth, when did you last speak to your neighbors? My neighbor, like people who live in the apartment next to me? Yes. Uh, last night. Okay, well, bad example on my part. But, yeah. like, how many folks do you know in your complex, you would say? My neighbors. Okay, so just okay. So now we've expanded. We've come one order magnitude up. Yeah. And then realized. I have I have two coworkers who work in the same complex as well. They live like far away. But yeah. Okay, so three people. But like I remember, I used to live in an apartment too, and they they have made it to the point where you work so fucking hard all day that you and, and so long, like eight hours a day, five days a week, you want to come home and just do nothing but go like go and like go lay down or cook or clean or watch it like watching on tv because you've exhausted yourself and they've kept us from building solidarity that way it's insidious oh yeah it's true they've they've uh what's it called social engineering they've done that yeah. to us um over a period of you know 100 years basically um to where all we want to like a lot of people even people who are like in these terrible conditions they don't even care because they're like okay i guess if i just all i have to do is make it till five o'clock and then i can struggle elsewhere in life but I don't want the struggle here so and they're almost okay with it they've realized the biggest enemy they have is community and uh, if there's community if you will have a feeling a communal sense of of identity and a, and of, of like a bond then that's a threat because then we could organize ourselves but we don't we don't have that because they've engineered us to not have it anymore and it's worked out it's worked amazingly for them and we have to work, I think, to overcome that. But it's like, how do you find it? Like, how, how do you start? Like, where do you... They just start going on to your neighbors and being like, hey, I'm, I'm Seth. How are you? You know, like, let's talk. And it's like, do you do that? Is that how we do it? Like, what do we do? Wait, Seth? Oh, sorry. Dexter Jester here. Yeah. Uh, uh, look at my four arms. Aren't I weird? Uh, but yeah, it's like, uh, like how, how do we even get started on that front? It's like, what do we do? Yeah. I mean, it's... it's that's one thing is it's really hard to harbor this this kind of community. That's why a lot of communities are starting up online because people are coming home and fucking watching a movie and chilling out on their phone or on their laptop and just using the internet and using like expressing their political beliefs that way. And so a lot of like uh, especially leftist communities are getting started on the internet these days. And yeah, there's a there's a weakness to to online organizing, which I mean it's it's good. It's a, it's it's useful because I think that we we need to connect each other and realize that geography is just one axis upon which you can organize. Um, but it doesn't take away the fact that geography is also very important and we need to be getting out there and talking to people and spreading our ideas somehow, you know? Yeah. And so I, I hope that in the future we can start to, to, to come together more as communities. And I feel like as our conditions worsen, we're going to start falling back on our communities to help us out. That's going to strengthen them. I hope. I really hope we see each other as allies in the struggle and not. Because you know, capitalism's whole thing when it comes to workers is making us into competitors, right? We want to compete. Like, I need the job, so I'm going to try and, like, fuck over someone else and get it. Yes. And we need to fight that impulse. I think, anyways. I agree. I feel like a good idea we start trying to do. Uh, this is going to sound real fucking corny of me, but I don't give a fuck. Uh, community gardens. I feel like growing food together is a great activity to, to do 
that can build camaraderie amongst people. And it, it, in the end, it produces a useful thing that everyone can use. Yeah, that was corny, literally. <laughs> because it's a garden. Yeah, I got you. And corn is a vegetable. Uh-huh. Okay, I want to make Next. sure this... I wanted to make sure that they didn't go over any listeners' heads. Okay. Because um, I do know, uh, I understand that sometimes my Dexter Jester, my, my humor can be a little above the the brow, if you will. Above the brow, interesting. Yeah. So oh, I didn't I didn't want to didn't want to alienate any of my uh, constituents. Yeah, we definitely don't want to do that. Uh, so I kind of think we come to the end. What do you think? Yeah. I think you got so any more too. Things you want to hit? I uh, will say this: um, I've I've pranked you and all the listeners the whole episode. I, it's been Seth the whole time. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, it wasn't Dexter Jetster. It was me. God damn it! Yeah, and I was doing my best Dexter Jetster impression the whole episode, and I I, you... I want to throw the mask off now and let everyone know that it's me. How'd you get back into the fucking uh, Illinials re- recording secret Discord? You know. Uh, oh, you uh, remember how you changed the password? Yeah. Well, adding the word, adding the number sixty nine to the end of the password doesn't mean you changed it. So. <laughs> Wait. Uh-huh. So now, so suck my ball sixty nine didn't work. Nope. Got back in easily. Son of a bitch. Oh, I have to change that password again now. I guess get get the maybe. Does, wait, did Jackson Hester even exist? Is he is he not real? Oh, he's real. Yeah, I I, I enlisted him to help me out with this. Okay, I was about to get very mad that George Lucas had lied to me. If yeah, people get mad at George Lucas for that a lot. But. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we've come to the end of the show. Um, I'm Smith. You can find me on Twitter at MCSurf. Uh, I'm Seth on Twitter at DexterJetster. <laughs> uh, you, can, uh, you can't find Marcus Sparkly, who does our art, but uh, he does exist. He's out there somewhere, uh, uh, floating in space, yeah. probably. If you meet some tall guy named Marcus Barkley, it's probably him. And don't be taller than him. That's that's that'll be a big mistake on your part. Oh yeah, if you're taller than him, just steer the other, just steer clear. He yeah. will not like you, even if you're great. Oh, for sure. And uh, with that, uh, we've come to the end of the podcast. Now that the plugs are over, yeah. Um, uh, fuck Kevin Durant and Tom fuck, Brady. Fuck Tom Brady. And here's one I'll throw. I'll throw it in at least just this week. Fuck mm-hmm. Pod Save America. Oh, for sure. Um, a, a podcast that we now have a rivalry with, so I expect a response, Favro. They know who we are, and you yeah. know how to find us. Uh, you can lead a horse to water, but it won't get under it. We've uh, reached a point where we try to stop trying to solve our problems. We just want to uh, outlive them. Yep, and then the one we always forget. No, from New Orleans, New York. Oh, from New Orleans, New York. This has been the Millennials Podcast. Take it easy. Thanks.